Good morning, everyone. This is August 7th of 2021, and I'm Holly McLean. This is Parenting News in the Culture War, episode number six. And today we're going to talk about masks in school again. Why is science being ignored? Then fourth graders are told to keep a questionnaire, an equity survey, secret from their parents. And then there was a school in Missouri that hired a critical race theorist to go over their curriculum and help them um, develop classes. We're going to talk about that too. The LGBTQ crowd is angry at Pixar because they didn't make one of their movies woke enough and push their agenda. So that's a very interesting story. There is a BLM gang that's targeting wealthy Dallas residents in some wealthy neighborhoods and expecting them to do kind of an initiation sort of thing by sacrificing their children. So we're going to definitely cover that. Let me see what else we have here. Oh yes, we have Dimwits and Darlings, of course. And uh, hopefully we'll get to your YouTube comments. So that's all coming right up. Okay, so today is actually the second time I've done this episode number six. And if you're asking, what does that mean? <laughs> I am doing this live and I did it live yesterday and was learning this program in order to be able to do it. So I made a lot of mistakes and stuff and, and I want to make sure and do it right this time. So I decided ah, I'm just going to do it again. Um, I'm also, I don't have like a script when I do live. So uh, if, you know, if I mess something up bad enough, I'll have to do it again. So <laughs> hopefully that won't happen. Um, so today I wanted to first talk about the masks in school thing, because that's coming up really soon. This is August 7th. So school is coming up pretty quick here. And there's a lot of people that are starting to push the wanting masks in school. And if you listen to the other video that I did about the COVID vaccine for children, I pretty much laid out the CDC statistics and the recommendations and showed you, you know, how that don't quite match. Um, so this is another one of those things that you look at the studies and you look at the statistics and you think, why do they think they have to mask in school? It really, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm always open to someone giving me more information that I don't have, but I'm looking, I'm not, I'm not talking about just commentary. I'm, I'm not talking about somebody's opinion. I'm talking about the facts, like the statistics, the studies and that kind of thing. I want to see the outcome of those. And we're going to talk a little bit about those today so that you have that information yourself. Um, so the last time I laid out the statistics about how children in, uh, you know, 12 and under, even, even teenagers really are not at great risk for serious illness, definitely not for death or anything from COVID that that's just clear. CDC says it, AMA says it, uh, everybody says it, but I wanted to first give you, show you a video. And this is of, again, our favorite governor in Florida, Ron DeSantis, um, I say favorite because right now he's a favorite. Hopefully he'll stay that way. But he is a politician, so I have to give it that, you know. 
hopefully he'll he'll continue on the path that he's been on. But he's interviewing an epidemiologist and another, I think, a child psychologist and talking to them about masking in school. And he also brings up, he has another guy, I'm not sure who he is, he's a doctor, it says on the bottom of the screen, so you'll see it. But I want you to listen to what they're saying about masks in school, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. So here it is. We in Florida, at this point, our school districts have, have uh, proposed the mask optional. Uh, but I think our fear is, is that seeing some of those rumblings, that there be an attempt from the federal level or even some of these organizations uh, to try to push for mandatory masking of school children. And so our view is uh, that this should absolutely not be imposed. It should not be mandated. And I know our legislature feels strongly about it such that if, if you started to see a push from the feds or some of these local school districts, I know they're interested in coming in even in a special session to be able to provide protections for parents and kids uh, who just want to breathe freely and don't want to be suffering under these masks during the school year. I don't think the Delta variant changes the calculus or the, or the, or the evidence in any fundamental way, Governor. Uh, so if you look at the, the data from before the Delta variant, uh, look, look at Sweden, for instance, that kept their schools open, unmasked, no social distancing all year. The teachers themselves, and this is before the vaccine, were at lower risk of of COVID deaths than the, 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 the population at large, other workers in the population. And the kids themselves had, had zero deaths, I think, in Sweden dur during that time. I think I saw a study in Florida that the, 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 that the schools that imposed masks had actually had higher rates of teacher, uh, teachers getting sick from COVID, and the kids themselves actually, I mean, there's no difference in outcomes because the kids are actually pretty protected from COVID just by dint of being kids. So, I th so the correlational evidence, I think, is mixed, and there's literally no randomized evidence whatsoever for these masks in schools. And then even if they do become infected, the likelihood that they will become sick is quite small. I mean, that data is pretty clear. So I strongly disagree with the recommendation that all children two years and above need to uh, wear a mask. And in fact, there are some studies that suggest a child is less likely to become infected in school than she or he is at home. So um, it's, I think that the, 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 um, it's a very difficult uh, uh, issue, but I think people like to say they're basing their decisions on science. But they're not. They're basing their recommendations on, on emotion. My position is simple. Masking children is child abuse. There is no evidence to support the contention that masks prevent the transmission of respiratory illness through viruses at all. And there's substantial evidence that shows that children have been medically, physically, and psychologically harmed by mandatory mask mandates. Is there any basis in terms of your COVID experience? Did you guys do any worse than any of the schools that required masks, to your no, knowledge? No, we, yeah, we didn't have any massive outbreaks and, and have to shut down the school or anything like that. It was essentially a normal year with uh, children out sick occasionally. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're having this discussion simply because um, as a parent liaison for Governor's Charter Academy specifically, 
we want it to be a parental choice, right? If you feel strongly about that, then that's fine. However, um, our little ones don't really understand that when they arrive at Governor's Charter Academy. They don't understand the social distancing, the mask wearing, and it is very challenging. And that then requires staff, uh, teachers to police the mask wearing. And much like my counterpart from Jacksonville uh, Classical, we did not have large breakouts at Governor's Charter Academy. Um, with our children, um, well, as a mom at home, our boys um, are participating in sports without masks. Um, and we are doing our part, right? So I think it comes down to accountability. And that, that's what you're doing. You're allowing each individual to make that. And if we mandate it, then what are we really saying? Uh, and uh, the, so, so the masks themselves have a marginal, if any benefit, marginal benefit in, in, in slowing the spread of the disease. And of course, masks do actually cause some harm to children in developmentally. But I don't think that the calculus has changed at all. It's still the same. The, 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 I think on net, it's not a good idea to mask children. It was quite a challenge to... Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and stop the video there. Um, obviously, you could see that uh, the people that he's interviewing are professionals, and they are saying that masking children is not a good thing. And they're using, their reasoning is the statistics and the studies that have been done. Now, I'm going to also show you another video, and this is of Michael Osterholm. And what's really interesting is this is a Biden COVID advisor and a top one. He is, he has all kinds of credentials that I'm not going to uh, lay out. His name is Michael Olsterholm, O-L-S-T-E-R-H-O-L-M. So you're welcome to look him up and find all that information if you'd like. But I'm going to show you a video of him talking about this masking and the effectiveness or ineffectiveness thereof and let you hear his words. So let me put him on here. Just a minute, let me find him, here he is. Okay, here we go. We know today that many of the face cloths are not very effective in reducing any of the virus movement in or out, either you're breathing out or you're breathing in. And in fact, if you're in the upper Midwest right now, anybody who's wearing their face cloth covering can tell you they can smell all the smoke that we're still getting. I, I say, if you don't have an N95, you're, you're not protected. Um, can a cloth mask or a surgical mask reduce the likelihood? Well, let's look at it from two perspectives. If it's me trying to, I'm trying to protect myself. Uh, there are some limited data that says it may reduce the risk, but let me just make a point here. If you're walking across an intersection and a semi comes along at 50 miles an hour and hits you as you're walking across, that's not good. But if you're walking across that same intersection and a Ford pickup comes by and hits you at 50 miles an hour, that's not good either. So merely reducing the size didn't stop the outcome from happening that both did. And so all the data we would have say at this point that, that just masking of itself with a cloth mask or a surgical mask surely may reduce the number of particles you put out, big particles or the big particles that get in, but it's the little particles that are coming along the sides that are the real problem. And so I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I would throw the kitchen sink at this thing if I thought that it would make a difference. Uh, masks are not a major issue. From a mask issue, I would just say, I, I can't make it any clearer than this. If you want to wear one, go ahead. 
but know that the science isn't there to say you're going to have a material impact on what happens with this pandemic. Okay, so I I want to apologize. Oh, yes, I have my mic on. I want to apologize if uh, the audio isn't what it should be. I'm I'm working on that, trying to figure out if I'm doing the right thing here. Hopefully, everything is good. So if it's not, I'll have to figure that out later. Obviously, this doctor said masks are not doing what people think they're doing. And he was suggesting about the fit of the N95 masks. Uh, he was also, this because you didn't see the whole interview, I just kind of played a short clip of it. He was talking about the N95 masks and how those are the ones that are likely to help more and to do more and to be possibly more effective. But just the cloth masks that everybody are, is wearing is really not going to do anything. And so many people have said that. They've said that and they're shut down. I'm, I'm saying what he's saying. I, I'm showing his thing. I'm not the one that's saying that. He is saying that. He's a Biden advisor. Is that misinformation? I don't know. We'll see if we get taken down to show what the Biden advisor said, what the epidemiologists are saying, what the psychologists are saying. We'll see if we're taken down for that. Who knows? Hopefully not. Uh, so I also wanted to show you a um, study from the Journal of the American Medical Association. Now, what's really interesting to me is we have the Journal of the American Medical Association, the Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Centers for Disease Control. All of those organizations supposedly are supposed to be giving us information about COVID and then giving us recommendations and guidelines to go by to help stop the spread of this virus. But what's really weird, and I think this is why I have a hard time understanding why I'm supposed to trust what they have to say. I don't trust what they have to say because when you look at the studies and you look at the statistics, they put those out for you to read. I don't think anybody, I think most people just don't read them. They just look at the guidelines and the recommendations. But if you look at the studies and the stats, and then you look at the guidelines and the recommendations, they don't match. They don't match. The statistics and the studies say that COVID is not a serious risk to children. It just isn't. Statistically, it just isn't. And they even say in their literature and everything that children have a very low risk of any kind of serious illness or, or death from COVID. It's just not, not likely. And then you look at the recommendations and guidelines, but mask them up and get them vaccinated as soon as you can. Like that doesn't go together, right? But I'll talk a little bit about, more about that in a minute. I wanted to talk about this study that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is just crazy. I, I don't understand why they have these studies, they have these statistics, and they still push this. It doesn't make sense to me. So this is an article by Maggie Hirokich. I'm not sure how to spell, uh, say her name. A report published by the American Medical Association Journal revealed forcing children to wear masks leads to adverse health effects. JAMA Pediatrics, 
Journal of the American Medical Association, Pediatrics, a top-rated monthly journal published by the American Medical Association, found wearing face masks increases the amount of carbon dioxide inhaled in inhaled air to unhealthy levels. The study measured carbon dioxide levels in 45 children ages 6 to 17 while wearing masks. The normal content of carbon dioxide in the air is 400 parts per million, with anything above 2,000 parts per million considered unacceptable. And the report measured averages of 13,120 to 13,910 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the inhaled air of children wearing masks, which is over six times higher than the unsafe threshold. The study further pointed out this measurement was after only three minutes of wearing the mask. And then it also points out that children aren't wearing it for three minutes. They're wearing it all day, five days a week. And that's only if they're only required to do it in school. <laughs> Some of the parents make them wear it to, to the store and, and everything else. The Journal of the American Medical Association report follows a larger German survey with over 25,000 children, which found 68% of them reportedly had problems while wearing facial coverings. Most of the complaints, re okay, this is quote from the study. Most of the complaints reported by children can be understood as consequences of elevated carbon dioxide levels in inhaled air. This is because of the dead space volume of the masks which collects exhaled carbon dioxide quickly after a short time. This carbon dioxide mixes with fresh air and elevates the carbon dioxide content inhaled under the mask. And this was more pronounced in the study for younger children. Many governments have made nose and mouth covering or face masks compulsory for school children. The evidence base for this is weak. We suggest that decision makers weigh the hard evidence produced by these experimental measurements accordingly, which suggests that children should not be forced to wear masks. Now, doesn't it make you wonder, okay, why are they even doing these studies? What's the point? Because they don't use the data from the studies to make the policies, the recommendations, and the guidelines. They just throw that out and then make, make, make the recommendations and guidelines anyway that don't go with the studies. I, I don't get it. I, I just don't. This is from the New York Magazine, and this was on July 12th. The kids are safe. They always have been. It may sound strange given a year of panic over school closures and reopenings, a year of masking toddlers and closing playgrounds at huddling in pand pandemic pods. The, but according to the CDC, among children, the mortality risk of the COVID is actually lower than from the flu. The risk of severe disease or hospitalizations is about the same, which is also very low. This is true for much, the much worried over Delta variant. It is also true for all the other variants and for the original strain. Most remarkably, it has been known to be true since the very earliest days of the pandemic. Indeed, it was among the very first things we did know about the disease. The preliminary mortality data from China was very clear. To children, COVID-19 represented only a vanishingly tiny threat of death, hospitalization, or severe disease, which is the same thing that I said on my other, uh, my other broadcast about this. It doesn't make sense. It, I just don't get it. 
Now, now here's something else that came out from the American Medical Association. I think it was just this last week. And I wanted to bring it up because my point right now is I don't understand why the CDC, the AMA, and the AAP are not following the science. They keep saying we're going to follow the science. Then they do the science. They do the statistics. They do the studies. And then they recommend and guide their guidelines and stuff are completely separate and do not correlate with those studies and statistics. And people will go, uh, why are they recommending this stuff? Now, they, the only people that do that are people that actually look at the statistics and the studies. Because most, most people, that's why you see all these people still doing this and why politically it's the thing to do, to do, you know, get vaccinated regardless of who you are, how old you are, your health risk, to wear masks regardless of whether you've been vaccinated or not or anything. Because the guidelines and the re recommendations say that, and a lot of people just look at that. And so then they form their opinion based on these recommendations and guidelines. I don't get that. So <clears throat> just recently, or maybe this was last month, I think it was, June 14th, the American Medical Association did another thing that doesn't go along with science. The American Medical Association said sex should be removed as a legal designation on the part of pub on the public part of birth certificates. Requiring it can lead to discrimination and unnecessary burden on individuals whose current gender identify identity does not align with their designation at birth, namely when they register for school or sports, adopt, get married, or request personal records. Once again, here's the facts, and that's what a birth certificate is supposed to be, right? A birth certificate are the facts of the birth where they were born, who their parents were, how much, you know, what time they were born and, and that, and their sex, that those are facts. Those are facts. That's what a birth certificate is supposed to be. It's not how you feel. I don't feel like I was born in another town. And so I want that written on my birth certificate. I don't feel like I want somebody else to be my parents. So I want to, you to write those people on my birth certificate. No, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. It's what reality is, and that's what a birth certificate is supposed to be. And th that's why I'm like, why do, does the American Medical Association, and I have to lump in the American Pediatrics uh, Academy of Pediatrics, and I have to lump in the Centers for Disease Control to this, why do they not look at the facts and then make their recommendations based on those facts? Why do they not look at statistics and studies and base their recommendations on those things? Because they clearly don't. And when they do this kind of thing where they're saying, oh, we can't put the, the truth of somebody's sex on their birth certificate because they might choose to do something different later. That is the reason this kind of thing that people don't want to go along with what they want people to do. Because people who are paying attention to these things are going, these people are not living in reality. They aren't, they aren't living with the facts. And how can we trust a medical professional who believes that a boy can be a girl or a girl can be a boy just because they think so or just because they want to be? And that's, that, that that should be taken off their birth certificate because they might choose differently later. How can you trust a doctor like that? I just think... I don't understand that. And this is why so many people do not trust them. I'll just say. 
So as far as the CDC, the AMA and the AAP, they are definitely a nope. Okay, now if you see little dark spaces or little things, it's because I'm still learning this program. I also want to tell you that these parenting news and the culture war live streams will probably not be on this channel anymore after this. They may be, they may not be. I have to see how things go, but I have another channel that I'm starting. I haven't put anything on it yet, but it's called um, Parenting News in the Culture War. That's the name of the uh, channel. And I'm going to put these videos on there. I'm going to keep my step-by-step instructional videos for parents for behavioral issues and other issues with their children. I'm going to keep that on this Mommy Answer Lady channel. And then the other channel will be these live streams keeping you up to date on the parenting news and things that are going on in the culture war. So if you are on this channel, listen to this now, and you're not on the parenting news and culture war channel, I want to suggest that you go over there and do that. And I want to tell you also, another thing is, um, these are going to be also on audio podcasts. So I'm going to be putting those out for you to listen to. I know you're busy parents, right? You don't always want to sit in front of the uh, YouTube and watch a video. You don't always want to watch a live stream um, by sitting there and doing it. Sometimes you do just for fun. That's great. And hopefully we'll have chat in the, in the future so you can chat with me. But um, <clears throat> you can just turn on Spotify or, or whatever the other um, podcasts channels are and you can listen to it on audio or you can turn on this YouTube thing and just listen to it as you're doing other things. That's fine too. Um, okay. So I wanted to let you know that if you aren't on that other channel, I hope that you'll go over and do that. So we're talking about school, masking in school, right? So a couple of, um, a week or two ago, I put out another video that was about cameras in school and my suggestion, and I think, I think I had some good logic to it. I hope I hope you think so. Um, was that it's great to have cameras in school, cameras on the teacher, cameras on the classroom, all day when teaching is going on. I think that should be going on. Parents should be able to see anything that's going on in the classroom at any time. But I don't believe in live streaming it because of the security issues for it. So I believe that a parent should be able to go in and look at any day that they want to and see what was being taught and what was being said and so on. Um, here is another reason why I think this is important. Um, there are lots of issues that go on in the classroom that parents need to know about. Well, there's fourth graders that requ were required to fill out an equity survey, and this was in Minnesota. Uh, the fourth grade student in Sartell St. Stephen School District in Minnesota um, was told that this class was told they need to fill out the survey. It's an equity survey, and they are not allowed to ask their parents if they don't understand anything. They aren't allowed to tell their parents what the questions are on the survey. This is a good reason to have cameras in the classroom. Now, this fourth grader is telling her story about what happened, so I want you to listen to her, what she has to say. I was in fourth grade at Riverview Intermediate School last year. During distance learning, I was asked to complete the equity survey 
My teacher said that I could not skip any questions even when I didn't understand. One question asked us what gender file we identified with. I was very confused along with a lot of other classmates. A boy in my class asked my teacher if his mom could explain the question to him because even after the teacher explained it, he still didn't understand. My teacher told him that he was not allowed to ask his mom and that we could not repeat any of the questions to our parents. I want the school board to know how uncomfortable and nervous this made me. My mom always tells me I can tell her anything, but she also tells me I can trust my teachers too. Being asked to hide this from my mom made me feel very uncomfortable. I was doing like I was doing something wrong. So when I was in the survey, I was taking a few questions and on the gender identification question, I got very confused and kind of nervous after a boy asked his mom, after the teacher explained it, um, that we could not tell our parents anything. That just made me very nervous and uncomfortable. Yeah, did your, has your mom ever told you never to, uh, you know, when someone, when anyone, an adult especially says, don't tell mom, that that's probably not a good thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet she, I bet she did tell you that. Um, Kelsey, tell me what, what happened when you heard that the school was actually giving the survey and instructing children not to tell their parents about it. You know, the funny thing is we did know that this, we were informed that this equity audit was going to be taking place, but the survey itself, they didn't inform us of the day it was taking place or we weren't really sure a lot of details behind it. And due to the lack of transparency from the school district and from Equity Alliance of Minnesota, the third party that the school district has brought in uh, to perform this audit, we were not informed of the questions on this survey. And when my daughter came forth and told me that her teacher, you know, it said you cannot skip any questions, even if you don't understand them. And when children were asking questions and asking if they could ask their parents about it, I was very upset when I found out that she was told not to repeat any of the questions to me or any other adult in her life. I do want to say, though, I believe that this wasn't just a single case that her teacher made this decision. I, uh, we have been informed that this came down from administration and Equity Alliance of Minnesota instructed them to make sure the children did not share this information with their parents. And that should pose a great concern yeah. in any parent's eyes. Obviously, you wonder if the administration at that school was told by the Equity Alliance of Minnesota that they're going to do this survey for the children and that the teachers are to instruct the children not to tell their parents what's on the survey, not to discuss this with their parents. Wouldn't you think if you were administrator at a school, wouldn't you think, wait a minute, this isn't good. We aren't going to hide anything from the parents. Wouldn't you think that? I always wonder, what are these administrators thinking? <laughs> uh, later, you're going to hear from Moms for Liberty on my broadcast here. She has it right. The Moms for Liberty lady we're going to talk about named Tiffany Justice. Um, we're not co-parenting with the schools. We're not co-parenting with the government, right? We're the parents. They are providing a service to help us with the education of our children and now not mine because I'm not, I'm not sending my children to a public school. And I hope that after you listen to this for a while, 
and and this broadcast and maybe some others. I want to suggest you listen to Matt Walsh. I, I love listening to him. He's my favorite. Uh, I hope that you will then decide maybe this isn't the right thing for you either. But in the meantime, the government's not co-parenting with us, right? They're, they're not parents and we're parents and we're working together. Nope. We're the parents and they're providing service with the tax dollars that we pay, right? To provide different things for us because we pay taxes. That's what it's supposed to be. It isn't a thing where they own our children and we are facilitating taking care of them when they're out of the government's um, school for the moment. And then they decide what's going to go on. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And they have it all wrong. Anyway, um, the other thing that was interesting is that according to Alpha News, the school district hired this equity survey by Equity Alliance of Minnesota, and they they paid them $80,000 to do this equity survey. Basically, it sounds like what they're doing is they're trying to figure out how many children are thinking these woke thoughts and how can they facilitate supporting their woke thoughts. That's what, that's what it seems like to me. Anyway, so that's another good reason that we should have cameras in the classroom. Absolutely. We want to see what's going on. Um, here's another reason. Uh, in France, Francis Howell School District in St. Charles, Missouri, hired Dr. LeGarrett King last September for his professional development and cons consultation services. <clears throat> now, King is an associate professor of social education at the Missouri, University of Missouri and the director of the university's Carter Center for K-12 Black History Study uh, Education. So they paid him $15,000 to um, do some, create some uh, curriculum for the children. He was specifically tasked with assisting a team of high school teachers to create an African-American history course and also do some online and in-person consulting. Now, according to the Washington Free Beacon, King encouraged high school educators to explain history through a social justice lens. That's in quotes, social justice lens, <clears throat> regardless of parents' concerns. He also suggested that the district edit the verbiage of its lessons so they, quote, can still get things accomplished in a critical fashion. King said there's no such thing as neutral history. It's political and it's not objective. Okay, I guess that depends on what you think. I think history should be the facts. The facts. This is what happened. These are the people that did these things, and this is what happened. And then commentary can be opinions about what happened. But they should be taught what happened and what's true in the context that it is. But it's true that there is going to be some leaning. You can't teach anything, really, without some leaning, other than maybe math. <laughs> but generally, there's going to be some leaning one way or another. Of course, according to King, left is the, is the direction to lean, right? According to the Free Beacon, the history curriculum being taught will work toward an, quote, equitable democracy. While it does not specifically say the words critical race theory, it mirrors it. it, it, just, it is, that's what it is. It just doesn't use those words. 
Um, and he has re he has retweeted retweeted content expressing that he believes critical race theory should be taught in K through 12 schools. So the students there are also going to be taught lessons about Black Lives Matter and about the, the Black Panthers. And this is, quote, to recognize that power and privilege influence relationships on interpersonal, intergroup and institutional levels and consider how they have been affected by those dynamics. So in other words, they're pushing the idea that these groups had to come up and fight this injustice and they want the students to figure out how these injustices have caused the, their lives to be used detrimental. It has been detrimental to their lives. Why are they doing that? I mean, what is the point? Let's teach them just history, reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, give them the science, real science, and, and not the, not the left-leaning stuff. That's what people want. They, they don't want their children indoctrinated. In, into the left's, um, the left's theories and agendas. They don't want that at school, but that's what's going on at school. And this is why it's important that I think we should have cameras in the classroom. So later, in just a little bit, I'm going to be talking about Moms for Liberty. I hope that you'll uh, listen to that because this is a way that you can get involved and help. Now, when we're talking about indoctrinating children, I wanted to bring up this other thing. Pixar has made a movie about friendship. And that's great. Movies about friendship are great, but the LGBTQ folks don't like it because it's only about friendship. And so I'm going to play uh, a little clip uh, that is a trailer for this movie. It's called Luca. I want to go see it, but I can't because it's not in the theater. So I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So let's see what this, this um, trailer is. Underdogs have to look out for each other, right? Underdogs! This is going to be the best summer ever. We'll ride down every road. See the whole world together. It'll be amazing. <laughs> but there's just one thing. Whoa. Uh -oh. whoa, 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 wait, did you see that? No one can find out. Please don't take my sunshine. Did you boys say you were from? <laughs> okay, I think that looks really cute. And the LGBTQ crowd does not like the idea of it because it isn't pushing their agenda. It isn't, it isn't pushing the gay agenda at all. And so I'm going to read a little bit from this article, and I have to apologize. I don't remember where I got this article. I didn't write it down. Um, but I'm just going to read a little bit about it, so, and then we'll talk about it. Um, Sadly, given the brutish, identity-obsessed era we live in, no human bond, no matter how age old, 
is allowed to exist as straightforward friendship. Thus, Vanity Fair, in a review that smacks of pedophiliac interest in sexualizing children, posts that these childhood pals are really sharing a gay romance. So, at first they were they saw this and they thought, oh, this is going to, you know, this is a gay romance and they're just kind of not bringing that out, but that's what it really is. So what's awesome about that is Enrico Casaroso, who is the writer and director of this Luca movie, makes it clear that this is not about a sexual relationship at all. Quote, we really willfully went for a prepubescent story. This is all about platonic friendships, he said in one interview. And then he, he was given even more explicit in his comments to Digital Spy. I don't know what Digital Spy is. But he said in Digital Spy, I was really keen to talk about a friendship before girlfriends and boyfriends come in to complicate things. And so, you know, he's, he's making clear, no, LGBTQ crowd, that's not what this story's about. Now, I don't know what his, his ideas are other than that, but he's saying this movie, that's not what this is about. This is about platonic friendship. And the LGBTQ people are just... They think, well, why do you have to have something about friendship when you could take this opportunity? That's what this article says. You could have taken this opportunity to push the agenda and you didn't do it. And so they're disappointed about that. Come on. You know, you don't get to claim that every time a boy and a girl have a friendship, I mean, a, a boy and a boy have a friendship or a girl and a girl have a friendship, that there's a romance. There's just friendship, you know? And children at the age of 9 or 10, which it looks like this is about the age that these boys were supposed to be in this story, they don't need to be thinking about that kind of thing. <laughs> They're just friends. People can be just friends. There doesn't have to be any sexual relationship going on or any romantic thoughts going on. People can just be friends. It's so true. And I think that's great. Now, I wanted to explain something, too, that I, I think. I don't know what you all think about this, but... Um, I have a friend who doesn't believe in drinking alcohol. I don't believe in drinking alcohol. And she you she has decided to promote this belief of hers and mine uh, by not attend, not going to any restaurants that serve alcohol. Now, I'm going to relate this to the Pixar movie in just a minute. And she thinks that this is promoting her agenda to make alcohol uh, less of a thing in society by if everybody just wouldn't go to restaurants that serve it. Well, the reality is that's not going to happen. Okay, people are not, not going to go to restaurants because they serve alcohol. It's not going to happen. It's not going to make an impact. But I want to look at it in a different angle. If you don't go to a restaurant because they serve alcohol, then the owner of that restaurant is going to see that more of the people that come to that person's restaurant are ordering alcohol, right? That, that's going to be a bigger percentage of, of their business, which then makes that a more important part of their business, right? Okay, but if you go to those restaurants and more people go to the restaurants and just order food and they don't order alcohol, it makes the percentage of their business less that their customers are ordering the alcohol. So I don't think it helps not to go to the restaurant. I don't think that does anything. 
And it also limits what you can do and who you can go out with and what you can, you know, where places you can go and everything. You're limiting yourself and you're not causing any impact is what I'm saying. Where instead, open up your freedom, you know, let, be able to go wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do and just don't order alcohol. And your presence there ordering something that isn't alcohol adds to the customers that come into the, to their restaurant and don't order alcohol, right? Same thing with Disney. I think Disney's a nope generally. I, I think I noped Disney on, on another episode. <laughs> Probably will in the future again. But is it realistic to think that because they're doing all these leftist things that people are just not going to have anything to do with Disney at all? No, that's not, that's not really realistic. It, it's not realistic to think that's going to happen. They do have some really good things, especially in their past, that are very entertaining and fun and don't have the leftist agenda. And whenever they put out something new that doesn't go along with the leftist agenda, I think we should support it. The more people that support that piece of entertainment versus the other leftist entertainment, the more that Disney's going to see, okay, there's an audience for this kind of content and we should put out more of this. Whereas if everybody ignores it, then the, the, the audience, the biggest audience is going to be those people who like the leftist stuff. I don't think that helps your cause. I don't think it does. So I wanted to watch this movie because it looked really good. Another thing I want to tell you is about PluggedInOnline.com. I really hope that you'll take advantage of that resource. It's a free resource. It's put out by Focus on the Family. And I've used it for years. Whenever I want to take children to a movie, I will look it up on Plugged In Online, read about it. It tells all the details. It gives you uh, if what kind of violence is in it, language, if there's any sexual things in it. It, it gives uh, negative and positive con content. It gives spiritual elements and stuff. It tells all about it so you'll know before you go, you won't be hit with a bunch of language or a bunch of stuff you didn't expect and have your children there with you. You know, that's that's not good. So I looked up Luca on Plugged In Online. I didn't see anything that was a problem. It, it looked like it was just a very cute and fun movie. And I thought, oh, I'm going to take my, my grandsons to it. That'll be fun. And it wasn't in the theater. I was like, oh, it, it's on Disney+. Plus. I'm not going to get Disney+. Plus. There's enough nope in Disney that not going to get that. Uh, there, it was also at Walmart. I saw that you could purchase it at Walmart for, it was like 20 bucks. I'm not spending 20 bucks on it. So hopefully it'll come out at some point where I can watch it otherwise, but um, it's too bad it's not in the theaters. But if you have Disney Plus, I'm just going, why? But okay, if you do <laughs> and you watch it, let me know what you think of the movie uh, or if you get it and see it in any other way, let me know. It sounds like it's really cute. I hope that if it is and it's what it looks like it is, that people will support it. Because we want to we wanna give them a lot of support for doing the right thing and avoid giving them any support when they're doing the wrong thing. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, I am also going to be talking about some um, other things like the Muppet, Muppet Babies. I'm going to bring those up uh, in my next um, deal. I'm also going to talk about that Boss Baby movie. So we're going to talk about that in one of the other episodes coming up. Um, <clears throat> okay, so next we're going to talk about uh, Dimwits and Darlings.
Okay, so today Dimwits and Darnley's is going to be a little different because I'm talking about some parents that I can't see, don't know, don't have their pictures. I don't even know who they are. So it's a little strange. I realize that. But we're going to be talking about the Black Lives Matter gang and called Dallas Justice Now. Now, before I talk about them, which will bring us to the Dimwit parents, I wanted to say I was thinking about Black Lives Matter. And when I heard this story, this is about a survey, uh, not a survey, I'm sorry, uh, a code of um, conduct, basically a pledge to sacrifice your children if you're a white, wealthy family, to sacrifice your children's education as far as you think is good education, to sacrifice that for the Black Lives Matter cause. It is crazy, but it made me think, that's kind of what gangs do. And I started to think, what characteristics does Black Lives Matter have to gangs? And so I looked up the characteristics of gangs, and I found that 10 out of 12 uh, could describe Black Lives Matter. I believe Black Lives Matter is a gang. It's a big gang because of these things. So let me tell you what the gang characteristics of Black Lives or of, of gangs are. You know, uh, one is code of conduct. Basically, they expect Black Lives Matter members to live as though they are. If they're black, they're oppressed. If they're white, they're oppressors, and they're to voice that to others attend rallies, and so on. And you'll see later where it says, if you're not doing enough, then you better get, you know, get, get your act together and do what we say. You're going to see that in a minute. Two, selective membership. I'd say that would be uh, black supremacists and Democrats, basically. And I, I, I don't know if you saw some of those things where they were actually saying that white people are not as smart and not as good and that kind of thing. I'll have to play that sometime for you if you haven't seen it. Um, it's very sad. You know, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Black, white, purple, green, I don't care. You're an individual person and and it, it doesn't matter. But selective membership is Democrats and black supremacists, basically. And Democrats, I'm saying, because I don't know of any Republicans that are involved in Black Lives Matter. If you do, let me know. I, I just... I don't know of any that are actually involved in it. Maybe there are some. But number three was loyalty to the group above all else. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute because the pledge shows very clearly that that's what they expect. Initiation rights, often violent. Again, the pledges you're going to see in just a minute. Number five, no respect for the law and no fear of jail. I think that's very true, don't you? They did all that looting and burning of cities and all that kind of murder and... Are they in jail? Mm -mm. Nope. Government officials have uh, supported them. And, and large corporations support them. Crazy. Use, use of totems or paraphernalia to show membership. Now, this is interesting because one of the things in this Dallas Justice Now was talking about that you have signs in your yards. I don't have that in my thing here, but they'll put signs in the yards to show that their black lives matter. They'll put signs on their windows. If they're businesses, they put signs on their cars to show that they're members of this, um, unique tattoos, colors, clothing, and jewelry. That's number seven. I'm sure you've all seen that black lives matter masks, black lives matter hats, shirts, tattoos. I've seen it all. I'm sure you have too. 
involvement in crimes to make money. Now, the leader, the uh, founder of Black Lives Matter, was accused of embezzlement. Um, I'm not sure what what's going on with that at this point, but she wasn't a real rich person, and all of a sudden, she was a, a real rich person after she was the uh, the leader of the Black Lives Matter. In fact, I think she had to re- resign, I believe. And not only that, after they have done all of the burning and, and all their looting, so they're getting more money by looting, they also intimidate people into giving money. <clears throat> Number nine, internal organization and structure. Clearly, Black Lives Matter has that. Use of threats and violence to achieve ends. Clearly, they do that. We all know that. So number 11 and 12 are the only two that I couldn't, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true. 11 was unique funeral rights. I thought it was interesting, though. Uh, there was a group of Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi and I don't know who else, who wore these scarves that were like at African colors or something like that. And they put them, got on their knee and whatever during a funeral. I can't remember if that was George Floyd's funeral or memorial service or something like that. But they did that as some kind of, ritual right to, you know, um, I don't know, give homage to the person who, who died. And, uh, I don't know that that's going to become a thing that Black Lives Matter will do that. I think there was a lot of people, uh, even the Black Lives Matter people that didn't like that, but who knows, maybe they'll have funeral rights. I don't know if they do or, or not. 12 unique methods of communicating. I don't know if they have that either. So, uh, out of 12, Black Lives Matter has 10 of these things that, are uh, describing characteristics of a gang. And when you listen to this next thing I'm going to tell you about, you will understand more clearly why it is clear to me that they are definitely becoming more and more of a gang. Dallas Justice Now is a group of radical racists against white people. They have asked wealthy Dallas residents who are white Democrats and believed to be allies or comrades, according to them, So they believe they will go along with it. They're pushing for a pledge. Listen to this pledge. Okay, this is from their website, okay? Uh, This is before the pledge. Listen to what they say. Our community has gotten nowhere because our white allies have done next to nothing for us. So you better do something. That must change. If you want to be an ally of our movement, we demand you make sacrifices to remedy the trillions of dollars you have made you have made from the hundreds of years when you have subjugated us. On Thursday, Dallas Justice Now began sending out, now this is on their website still. On Thursday, Dallas Justice Now began sending out copies of of the historic college pledge to our wealthy white allies in 95% white Highland Park and University Park. So Highland Park and University Park are wealthy neighborhoods, I believe. If you have received a copy of the pledge and consider yourself an ally to our community, please visit dallasjusticenow.org. The only time they said please in the whole thing. To sign and participate in an unprecedented campaign to bridge the wealth and education gap. More pledges will be sent out in the coming days and weeks. Now listen to this next part. We're getting to the part where they're sounding more like a gang. This is just leftist critical race theory ideology so far. But listen to this. Dallas Justice Now advocates will be paying in-person visits to residences to have those impactful in-person conversations. 
So if you don't sign the pledge, they're going to come to your door and talk to you about it. So they say, conversations. Okay, now let me read the pledge, and you're going to be even more freaked out and thinking this is crazy. To our white allies, talk is not enough. Commit yourself towards taking action and making sacrifices to correct centuries of injustice. Open up spaces for black and Latinx communities by refusing to send your kids to Ivy League or U.S. News and World Report top 50 schools and encourage friends, neighbors, and family members to do the same. Imagine if those hundreds and thousands of spots at these institutions were occupied only by marginalized communities. Imagine the opportunities. We can achieve true equity within our lifetimes, but only if white folks are willing to sacrifice their privileges. I'm going to keep going. I have so much to say already, though. As a white pers person with privilege, this is the pledge itself, okay? As a white person with privilege, both from my whiteness and my neighborhood, I recognize the need to make sacrifices for the purpose of correcting hundreds of years of murder, slavery, discrimination, and lack of educational and economic opportunities perpetrated upon people of color. I understand that access to top schools is a key component in economic and social advancement. Therefore, I commit that my children will not apply to or attend any Ivy League school or U.S. News and World Report Top 50 school so that position at that school is available for people of color to help correct historical wrongs. If I do not have children under 18, then I will commit to encouraging my white privileged friends, neighbors, and family members with children to sign the pledge and holding them accountable until they do. Okay, I'm going to stop there and then I'll... <laughs> okay, so what they're saying is, because you are white, you have oppressed other people, or you're responsible for the oppression of other people, and therefore you are to sacrifice your children's education. We'll talk about that in a minute. You're supposed to sacrifice what you would believe to be the best education for your children and tell them, no, you can't apply to any of those schools because you are white. Can you imagine, can you imagine a parent telling their children that? Now, I'm not for sending your children to Ivy League schools anyway. That, they're just camps of indoctrination for the left at this point. I, that's the way it is, you know. Uh, probably the new U.S. News and World Report top 50 schools are the same way, so I, I don't really uh, suggest that that's the best thing to do. But if you're a parent and you want to send them there, this, these people have no right to tell you you can't do it, nor intimidate you to try to get you to not do it. That's just ridiculous. And it's all racist. They, are, they expect parents, like they have an infant child, and when they get to be, you know, 13 or 14, they start thinking about what they're going to do after high school, 15, 16. Nope, sorry, you can't apply to all of these schools because you're white. And I made a pledge, so you can't do that. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's just so crazy. Okay, so listen to the rest of this. Have you been asked to take the pledge? Don't be a racist hypocrite. Sign the pledge today. Sincerely, Je ja Dallas Justice Now. More intimidation to come. Please note 
Dallas Justice Now will be publicly announcing the names of those who have and have not signed the pledge. So they're trying to intimidate people by coming to their house, having a conversation with them, having people hold them accountable for not signing the pledge. And if they don't sign it, they are going to be categorized by a publish publication saying that they are racist hypocrites. Then, will you take the pledge? This is on here. And you have two options. I am a racist hypocrite or I agree. There's not, I disagree and I'm not a racist at all. There's, that's not an option. You are either a racist hypocrite or you will do this. That's what they're saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just so ridiculous and so crazy. So here, here we are looking at this Dallas Justice Now thing and ex they're expecting parents to sign it. Now, when I looked this up, it also had at the bottom um, people who have signed the pledge or whatever. And underneath that was no names. Now, I don't know if they just haven't updated it so there's no names or actually there are too many parents who are not dimwit enough to do that that nobody has signed it. Let's hope so. But because Dallas Justice Now has done this and they have parents in their organization who expect other parents to do this. They are dimwit parents and anybody who signs this pledge is a dimwit parent too. So I'm just saying the dimwit parents are from Dallas Justice Now and anybody who has anything to do with them, you are all dimwit parents. Let's not do that, okay? But seriously. <laughs> Okay, sorry, it takes me a minute to find, <laughs> find where my camera is. All right, so next we're gonna go to the um, darling parent. And that is Tiffany Justice from Moms for Liberty. If you haven't heard from Moms for Liberty in this clip I'm gonna show, she is going to explain what it is. And I just wanna say she's awesome. And I really am excited about this, um, this new organization. So why don't you listen to this and see what you think. Hello, we are Moms for Liberty. We are a grassroots organization of thousands of moms across the country that know that the education system in America is no longer putting students and families first. Tina and I are moms, and we've also both served as school board members from 2016 to 2020 in our children's districts here in Florida. We got an up-close look behind what we like to call the education curtain. We know as parents when our rights are being infringed upon. And as school board members, we saw up close and personal, in big ways and small ways, parents being treated as an inconvenience. It has never been more important for parental rights to be represented and protected. Partnering with my children's school should be just that, a partnership. We are not co-parenting. Parents must have the right to direct the medical care, education, and moral and religious upbringing of their children. Parental rights is not a partisan issue. Being a parent isn't political. Moms for Liberty is asking every legislator to support the Parents' Bill of Rights. The parents and children of your district need you to support the Parents' Bill of Rights. Please help us to protect our families. So today, as it stands, parents cannot visit schools. We can't really go in and volunteer. 
parents should not have to do a public records request to know what is being taught in their children's classrooms. We can't see the work that is happening in our children's schools, and we've never been pushed further outside of the educational process of our children. We are asking for transparency and the right to fulfill our responsibilities as parents. The parents of Florida would like to thank Representative Grawl and Senator Rodriguez for, co -sponsoring, for sponsoring this bill. And we want to thank the co-sponsors, Representatives Altman, Fine, Saroy, Bird, and McLean, and Senator Dennis Baxley for co-sponsoring. We hope many more names will be added to this list. Again, we ask every legislator to please support this bill. Parents are counting on you. Together, we can get this bill passed this year. Thank you. Okay, so isn't she awesome? I think that's great. And Moms for Liberty looks like a really great organization. If there's a chapter near you and you have a child in public school, I really suggest that you find it and start participating. They go in front of school boards a lot. Um, as much as I would like everybody to not frequent, participate, whatever, in the public school at this point, just like I said about the restaurants and I said about Disney, it's not likely to happen right away. It's not likely to happen anytime soon that that's the case. So if you are a parent who has a child in public school, look for the Moms for Liberty chapter in your area. I know they have like a hundred chapters waiting to be formed, like they have a list that they're still going through to help these chapters start start up. There's, there's a waiting list to start up a chapter. Um, I'm in the Kansas City area, Kansas City, Missouri, Independence area. And if there's a chapter around here, I would love to hear what's going on with it. Um, I don't have a child in public school, so I'm not really sure what I can do with that, although I am certainly going to look it up. If you know about a chapter around here or you are in a chapter and you want to tell me what's going on, please do. I would love to hear from you. That would be so awesome. Um, but I definitely want to say, Tiffany, you are a darling parent. Okay, so uh, I wanted you to also know that actually the bill that they were um, wanting to be signed or go happen in Florida did pass. And Ron DeSantis, of course, again, our favorite governor, did sign it. So good for him and good for Moms for Liberty. Uh, I'm going to probably uh, talk about them again in the future, I'm sure. Um, have uh, I have seen quite a few videos online of Moms for Liberty members getting up in front of school boards and talk to them about things that are going on. So that's pretty cool. Um, so as far as the YouTube comments go, this has been a really long one, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into the YouTube comments. But I do want to tell you something that went on with me in Branson. Uh, my husband and I went to Branson for a few days just to get away, and it was really fun. Branson, Missouri, is a really good place for you to take your children, uh, for you to take your family. But we saw this particular show. I wanted to suggest that if you have a chance to go see it, it is the absolutely best stage show I have ever seen. It was, it, you would believe there's an ocean up on the stage. You would believe it. it it's just so well done. And uh, if you get a chance to go to Branson and see it, the, the tickets are like 50 bucks a person or something like that, which actually I was thinking that was quite a lot. And it is, if, especially if you have family. But I'm telling you what, it's really worth it. So if you get a chance to see that, I just want to suggest you do. 
even if you're not a Christian, you're going to enjoy this show for sure. So I, I hope that you will consider that um, and do it if you can. So I know that we had a lot to cover today. I have so much more to cover. It's like I could do this thing every day and have more information because there's so much out there. So I hope you'll come back and join me again. Remember the new channel, Parenting News and the Culture War. That's where you're going to find these in the future. And also you're going to be able to hear them on podcasts. So please do that. Be sure and like this video, share it, subscribe or whatever. Do all those things, you know. Uh, and I'll see you next time. Parents, we can win this. Thanks for joining me today.